This message is part of the teaching provided by House on the Rock Fellowship, a church caring for the Miami Valley region. Before you listen, be sure to access the notes in the download section of the message page. Have a Bible ready. Thank you for being our guest. I started a running program. Why are you laughing? Clearly, I'm in the beginning stages of the running program. (laughs) I have a playlist on my phone. I have lots of playlists on my phone, and I take out my headphones. I love these. I love these headphones. They rest just over the years. I have a playlist. It's called Full Running. It's got all these upbeat songs that move me along. Good songs. I will not tell you what they are. They're just really good songs. They're the songs that motivate me, move me forward. These are the songs for the running, songs I listen to. I have other playlists on my phone, not for running. There's the study playlist. There's the prayer playlist. There's lots of different playlists depending on the situation. I would not listen to the study prayer list, playlist Excuse me, if I was off to run. Those songs don't line up. They're not consistent. It's not, not the right situation. What playlist, what song fits you right now? Where you're at right now? If you were to go through a playlist or pick a song or a soundtrack, what defines your situation? Maybe it's upbeat. Maybe it's celebration. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's down. But if it is down here, Today I want to offer you a new song. Maybe you would like a new song. Would you like a new song? To fit your new situation. We've been looking at the last five poems, the last five psalms in the book of Psalms, the Psalter. 146, 47, 48, 49, and 50. And they go together. They've been teaching us, informing us of this 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 mandate and calling that God has given us to help creation praise God, things above and things below. Psalm 146 invites us to shine a light on the faithfulness of God. God is faithful. 147, how we are to thank God that our past is not a problem. It's a platform for praise. You look upon your past. Oh, I see what God has done. Thank you. Thank you. Last week, Psalm 148. All creation we are called. Angels above. Those below. And today, Psalm 149. Which is going to be a lot of fun, I think. So why don't we look at that together? <coughs> and why don't we stand together? As we read Psalm 149. Excuse me. Nothing like having a microphone right in front of your face when you're coughing and there's nothing that you can do about it. But that's okay. Gives me a good preacher voice. Psalm 149. Let's read together these great words of the Lord. Praise the Lord. Sing to the Lord a new song. His praise in the assembly of the godly. Let Israel be glad in his maker. Let the children of Zion rejoice in their king. Let them praise his name with dancing, making melody to him with tambourine and lyre. For the Lord takes pleasure in his people. 
He adorns the humble with salvation. Let the godly exult in glory. Let them sing for joy on their beds. Let the high praises of God be in their throats and two-edged swords in their hands to execute vengeance on the nations and punishments on the people, to bind their kings with chains and their nobles with fetters of iron, to execute on them the judgment written, this is honor for all his godly ones. Praise the Lord. What is going on? Have a seat. How many of you saw that one coming? <laughs> praise him, praise him, praise him. Let's, let's, let's dance and let's shake the tambourine for he is good. And don't forget to bring your swords. Praise God. Some of you are like, yeah, this church is awesome. How many of you were a little confused though? I mean, it's, 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 we get it, right? We're praising and exaltation and high praise. We're expecting this. Was not expecting this. I am a shepherd with a big sword. <laughs> Thank you. What do you do with this? I mean, it's all God's word, right? How do I live in light of a psalm that seems to profess such attention? Praise him with the tambourine. Bust out the two-edged sword and start swinging. Sing songs and, and dance before the Lord. Bind the evil king in chains. As you can imagine, it's really important that we under this, understand this psalm correctly. You would not be surprised to find out that this psalm in particular has been used over the years in very, very evil ways. Preachers have used this psalm specifically to call peasants to riot. I could take you to the, my history books in my office. Look, it says it right here. Praise God, pick up the sword, bind the king. So we need to slow down a little bit. And what I think you'll find is once we open Psalm 149, you're going to find treasures. But we need some interpretive helps. The Psalms are intentionally ordered. They're not just arbitrarily thrown in there. They actually follow a narrative. The narrative of the king. You could take the life of David and the story of the king and the Psalms follow this trajectory. It's beautiful. I mean, how many of you grew up in a church with a hymnal in front of you, right? Maybe multiple hymnals, right? And you had to know whether we're supposed to grab the red hymnal or the blue hymnal. All right, this song was everyone grabbed the brown hymnal. We're going to sing number 142. 
If you open up that hymnal, uh, most of them, they'll be chunked. Here's the Christmas songs. Here's the adoration songs. Here's the Thanksgiving ones. Here's the calls to worship. Your psalms in the Bible are also chunked together. They follow a narrative, a purpose. In the same way we've been looking at the last five psalms, they follow a purpose, a design. So before we get to 149, we've got to back up one verse into 148 to remember where we've been. It sets the tone for why Psalm 149 says what it says. And so if you weren't able to be with us last week, that's okay. Uh, look at Psalm 148, verse 14. It says this. <clears throat> he has raised up a horn for his people, praise for all his saints, for the people of Israel who are near to him, praise the Lord. Last week, we talked about all these different aspects and sections of God's created orchestra and how we as humans are called to call each section to praise. We get to this one part at the very end and it stands out. It just, it, it, it fits, but it doesn't fit. And now we can see a little bit because it's to move the story forward. This horn, this person, this point of salvation and hope. A king, a ruler, a someone. So in your notes, write this down with me. On the very first line in your notes, write down new king. New king. A new king. Presidential elections in the United States. Every four years, there's a potential change of administration spilled into how our country operates and rules. Out with the old, in with the new. New ideas, new philosophies, new opportunities. Everyone relax. I'm going to offend everybody. It's fine. If you don't like what's going on, it's okay. Another four years, try again. Try again. Every four years, you have to deal with the TV campaigns. Every year, you have to deal with the online slandering and social media. He's a communist. He's a mean, money-hungry capitalist. He's a senile Trojan horse. Goes back and forth, goes back and forth, goes back and forth. But we understand that there's a rhythm. Four years, we have a chance to change things up. A new ruler? Appointed by God? For these people? That's huge. Because you could have had a king for decades. Imagine, if you will, it doesn't matter your political persuasion, what side of the aisle you're on, what your beliefs are, what your ideologies are. Just imagine your nightmare and having that nightmare for 40 years. And then that person just passing it off to their kid, and that kid's worse. Maybe another 20 years or 30 years. This is the climate, this is the culture of how destinies, dynasties worked in the ancient Near East. There was no elections. There was no, hey, four years, let's vote someone new in. Hey, you want to try? You try. No. No voting, you just dealt with it. And so for a new king who's appointed by God, who's brought in to usher in God's kingdom, that's a reason to celebrate. That's a reason to sing. 
And so that's why we look at the end of Psalm 148 and it launches us in to 149. Psalm 149 continues with the thought. What does it say? Sing to the Lord a new song. Praise him in the assembly of the godly. Because in your notes, write this down. With a new king comes a new reality. With a new king comes a new reality. Imagine growing up in Israel at this time. For 20 years, we've been under the, the yoke of oppression. Or maybe for 40 years, we were overtaxed. For decades, our sons were dragged off for the king's wars. For 30 years, our daughters were taken for the harem. Or our lands were raped for the king's treasury. Or maybe it wasn't even a king, your king. Maybe it was oppression that came from the outside. And they would just usher in havoc and oppression. And you just had to deal with it. The chains, the taxes, the death. But now there's a new king. And with a new king comes a new reality. Verse four, for the Lord takes pleasure in his people. He adorns the humble with salvation. That's what new means. We don't sing a new song as in the song is new. The situation is new. You can probably imagine this on a small scale. Maybe you've worked at the same place for 20 years or 30 years or 40 years. Maybe it's a family owned business. And year after year after you've kind of seen it slide down and down and down. Morale is dropping. The Christmas bonuses have, have fallen away. The work conditions have got worse and worse and worse. And a new boss has been brought in. And with the new boss comes a new hope, a new reality. Maybe you're hesitantly optimistic that your reality is going to change because there's new leadership. This poet is writing because the new leader is God's appointed leader. Could you imagine that in a CEO interview? Why should we hire you? God sent me. I am God's leader for you. Israel had been waiting for that. They've been waiting generations for that. When will God's leader arrive? Where is God's king where is the wonderful counselor, the everlasting father, the prince of peace? Where's the promised one, the anointed one that the prophets told us about? This is what Israel is looking for. And the psalmist is giving us the words of celebration because with a new king comes a new reality. Psalm 149 has a sister psalm in the book. Okay? Psalm 149 is the second from last. If you go to the very beginning of the Psalter and look at the second one, they bookend together, they mirror together. The first Psalm is all about walking in the way of Torah, walking in the way of the law. Blessed is the man who does not walk in the way of. Psalm 2 goes with Psalm 149. Let me read it for you, just a part. This is Psalm 2. Why do the nations rage? People plot in vain. Kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, hey, let's burst their bonds apart and cast away their cords from us. He who sets in the heavens laughs. The Lord holds them in derision. 
Then he will speak to them in his wrath, terrify them in his fury, saying, As for me, I have set my king on Zion, my holy hill. The nations rage, the nations plot. One nation under God, not us. We'll do it our way. We'll do it our way. There's murmuring and there's backroom meetings and it says God chuckles and shakes his head. I have my king. I have set my king over the nations. And with God's king comes God's reality. Do you need a change in reality today? Do you need the story to change today? What kind of week has it been? Overtaxed, overstressed, bound and dragged, taskmasters going, slave masters screaming. With a new king comes a new reality. And with a new reality, a new response. Let's write that down together. A new response. new king, a new reality. A new reality leads to a new response. How does the psalm start? Sing a new song. Not a song that's new, but the song for the new situation. The response should fit the reality. The song fits the situation. I played in pep band and marching band uh, in high school. And it, maybe you can imagine a little bit of that scenario. Maybe it's a football game or it's a basketball game and we're losing. Happened a lot. Maybe it's getting close to the end of the game and there's not a lot of minutes left, but maybe there's a breakaway and we score and we move ahead. We are winning. What's the band director do? Ready? One, two, three. And everyone's cheering and the cheerleaders are flying and the banners are waving. Why does the song change? Because the situation has changed. Right? And the response fits the reality. Look at how this psalm moves forward because we have a new king and a new reality. He says, sing, verse 2, let Israel be glad in his maker. Let the children of Zion rejoice in their king. Let them praise his name with dancing, making melody to him with tambourine and lyre. For the lyre doesn't mean someone who can't tell the truth. All of you people who can't tell the truth, let's sing together. That's how it. Yeah. Think of a string instrument. Imagine a guitar. There you go. For the Lord takes pleasure in his people, he adorns the humble with salvation. Let the godly exalt in glory. Let them sing for joy on their beds. Let high praise of God be in their throats. 
mean, even if you're not a musical person, can you still feel how the progression builds? Can you feel the crescendo? It just keeps getting bigger and bigger. Each, all these different words and different ways of expressing celebration and praise. It says, be happy. Be happy for what God has done. Be glad in your maker. Celebrate his king. Praise with singing and shouting. Exaltation, those are songs of triumph. Victory. High praise. Make melody on instruments with lyres and tambourines. Celebration with dancing. Come on. Even a little bit? No? Not the dancing part? No? I know some of you dance. I've seen what you've posted on Facebook <laughs> at the various country music festivals around the area. Why not dancing? It is an embodied response to where we are and what, we're, what has happened. What do we do with our bodies when we're sad? When we're overwhelmed by the situation, what do we do with our bodies? How do we embody lament and grief? We fast. That's the body, it's the embodied response to lament and grief. I'm going to align my body with the current situation. The situation is sad. My body responds in sadness. God has delivered the nation. We corporately dance before God. We come before him and move together. Ever seen a Jewish wedding? Right? I mean, they, yeah. Yeah. Jewish celebrations. I mean, this is, this is where it's at, man. These people know. I mean, they, they've gone through a lot. Jason's ready to go, right? And then what, 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 do, they, what do the guys do, man? They all, they all kind of get together, right? And they hold their little handkerchiefs and, and they come back and forth. If I called Jason up, Jason, Rob, you want to dance with me, don't you? <laughs> Rob, don't you want to da dance with your pastor, right? Matt's all over it. Come on, man. No. No. Don would. I saw Don was really, I saw the foot tapping. He's like, yeah. Yeah, why? Because we are expressing a corporate celebration. It's been decades of oppression and decades of death and decades of losing. It's like when some of your sports teams finally win a game, right? You're like, oh, we won a game. Imagine God delivering an entire nation after generations of oppression and death. They dance and they sing and they exalt and they praise and their song and their celebration together. We align our bodies with the situation. Sing to the Lord a new song with tambourine and dancing. 
It's really hard to take 149 and stick it in a, its immediate historical context to say, hey, this is when 149 was written. This is who it was written for. This is who was king. This is what the victory was. This is the immediate. But what you can see in 149 are echoes of the Exodus. Almost in such a way that the poet wants you to have that story in the background. Let me read for you. This is Exodus 15, 19 through 22. It gets in there, doesn't it? Aaron would come up, wouldn't you, Aaron? You're an elder. You have to. You have no choice. No, we have division on the elder board. Listen to Exodus 15. This is 19 to 20. Sing to the Lord, right? Tambourines and dancing. For when the horses of Pharaoh with his chariots and his horsemen went into the sea, the Lord brought back the waters of the sea upon them. But the people of Israel walked on dry ground in the midst of the sea. Then Miriam the prophetess, the sister of Aaron, took a tambourine in her hand. All the women went out after her with tambourines and dancing and sang to them. First words from her mouth. Sing to the Lord. For he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and the rider he has thrown into the sea. Whatever is going on in 149 mirrors this one in Exodus. After generations of defeat and generations of slavery and generations of oppression, of the bad king, God set them free. And how do they respond? After watching God annihilate and destroy the oppression Shake the tambourines. Let's dance. Let's sing to the Lord. You have seen God do mighty things. So let's shake the tambourines. And let's swing our swords. Yeah. It still doesn't feel like it fits, right? Rob's like, no, I think it's pretty cool. What do we do about the sword piece? How does that fit? How does that? Because let's look at it. Verse 6. Let high praises of God be in their throats and two-edged swords in their hands to execute vengeance on the nations and punishments on the people, to bind their kings with chains and the nobles with fetters of iron, to execute on them the judgment written, this is honor for all his godly ones. A new king brings a new reality. A new reality brings new response. And a new response brings new swords. Let's write that down. But let's figure it out. New swords. New swords. To whom was this written originally? You need to know that or you're going to misapply it. Who is it written to? The nation of Israel. Okay? A very, very small country surrounded by big, powerful, bullying, warmongering countries. They are constantly having to carve out their future with their swords. They battle their foes with their hands. 
We're God's people. We got to fight for our land. They are always fighting for victory. They're always fighting for peace. New king, awesome. Let's go deal with the old enemies. Before I turn this around, I want to make two key observations on the bottom of your notes, please. Just to help us put these four together. Our response reflects our reality. Our response reflects our reality. Why does that team sing at the football game versus that team sing? Because that team is winning. Situation. New response for the new reality. Why does that one employee drive home with a little smile on their face? Smile that's a little bit bigger. New boss brought a new situation. Why when I come in here, do I sing? Do I praise? No, I might even start to dance. Because of where I am and who I am in Christ, and my reality is seen through how I respond, our response reflects our reality. I was visiting with one of our, our, our dear mothers in the church, spiritual mothers. And she was singing a song of lament because that's her reality right now. And so I joined with her. Our response reflects our reality. But here's another key idea. The swords we carry reflect the king that we follow. The swords that we carry Reflect the king that we follow. The weapons reflect the kingdom. Maybe you're a student of martial history, wars, battles. Probably if I brought up a soldier from various eras of human history, Maybe someone from the Middle East. Maybe someone from the Orient. Maybe someone from the American Civil War. Maybe someone from uh, the Napoleon Wars. Okay? Maybe uh, a Greek hoplite. Without me explaining anything, you could look at this. Okay, that soldier's from there. That soldier's from there. That soldier's from there. That soldier's from there. Because why? The, the, the weaponry reflects the kingdom. Oh, that soldier's from there, that soldier's from there, that soldier's from there, that soldier's from there. The swords we carry reflect the king that we follow. If you are following an earthly king, fighting an earthly enemy, you're going to carry earthly swords. But what if you decided to follow a new king? With a new kingdom. Who is doing things in new way. Jesus comes before Pilate. He's brought before Pilate. Been arrested a few hours before. Pilate is the embodiment of the Roman Empire. He is the might of Rome. 
You looked at Pilate, you saw the power of Rome. And you did not defy it. And so all of a sudden, the squabbling masses of the Jewish people have brought this carpenter in before him because supposedly he's putting himself before as a new king. And of course, Pilate's ears are going to perk up. Well, at the same time, Pilate knows who he is. So I hear you're a king now. You're a king? You're a king. Because I'm Rome. And you're a king. Where's all your soldiers at? Where's the banners? Where's, where's the pageantry? Where's the power? Where's the might? You're a king? I mean, where's your, where's your army? What does Jesus say? This is what John 18, verse 36. Jesus answered, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting that I might not be delivered over to the Jews. Important. My kingdom is not from the world. Jesus I'm a new king. In fact, in a little bit, he's going to be crowned. In a little bit, he's going to be enthroned above everybody with a placard above that says, King of Kings. Notice what he says. My kingdom is not like yours. Yours is earthly. Mine, it's something else. Earthly kings wage earthly battles with earthly means. But with this new king comes what? You wrote it down. With the new king comes what? A new reality. In Romans chapter 8, verses 34 through 39, let me read it for you. Who is to condemn? Jesus Christ is the one who died. More than that was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. So who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress, persecutions, nakedness or danger or sword? As it's written, for your sake we're being killed all day long and we're regarded as sheep to the slaughter. No. In all of these things, we're more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life, angels or rulers, things present, things to come, nor powers, height, depth, anything in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Christ died. We're conditioned to think about the cross in a very shallow, narrow profile. What's the cross about? Jesus died for me. What's the cross about? Jesus died for me. That's true. That's true. That's 5% of the story. That's 5% of the story. 
He did die for me. If I were the only one on earth, Jesus would die for me. Yes, that's 5% of the story. What's going on on a much bigger scale, the full narrative, is that Jesus stands in the place of Israel as the horde of Rome and death and murder boils over upon him. He takes the whole wrath of evil upon himself, standing in the place of the people. People. The good king going before his people. David going against Goliath. So what you see is him ushering in a whole new reality where we are more than conquerors now. Christ is victorious, raised and seated at the right hand of God, a new king with a new reality where we are not defeated, where we are not oppressed, where we are not overtaxed, where we are not overdrawn, where we are not overstressed, but we live in a life that's abundant and full. That's why we call it better news. Complete victory. But there's famine and there's persecution and there's struggles. Yeah. But we march forward not for victory, but from victory. New reality means what? A new, new response. A new way to live. The Apostle Paul puts this in Colossians chapter three. A new way to live where we are adorned by salvation, by our God. Colossians three, he says this. Let me read it for you. Put to death, therefore, what's earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desires, covetousness, that's idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these you once walked when you were living in them. But now, put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, obscene talk from your mouth. Don't lie to one another. Seeing that you've put off the old self with its practices and put on a new self, which is renewed in the knowledge after the image of its creator. Here there's no Greek, Jew, circumcised, uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave-free. Christ is all and in all. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, Kindness, humility, meekness, patience, bearing with one another. If one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. As the Lord's forgiven you, so you must also forgive. And above all of these, put on love. It binds everything together in perfect harmony and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts to which indeed you are called in one body and be thankful. 
Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God in whatever you do. In word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. For the followers of King Jesus, our response must reflect our reality. We do not walk in darkness. We are dressed in light. We are going to put those things away and walk in love and walk in kindness. If our response does not reflect this reality, we start to need to wonder who then is our king. If we are swinging around earthly swords to fight earthly battles, we need to ask ourselves which king we're following. Because the sword that you carry reflects the king that you follow. Are you doing things in an earthly way? Peter struggled with that, didn't he? <laughs> Good old Pete. I like Pete. It makes me think there's room at the cross for me. Peter brought a sword to a prayer meeting. Didn't he? He brought a sword to a prayer meeting. Jesus is out in prayer. He is out laboring. He is out anguishing. Soldiers come up to arrest Jesus, and Pete starts swinging. Because in his mind, Jesus is an earthly king, and with an earthly king comes earthly swords. But what does Jesus say as Jesus is actually putting the ear back on the temple guard? Put your sword back. For all who take the sword perish by the sword. Translation. That sword, Peter, reflects that reality. But I'm not that kind of king. Maybe to you, Jesus is saying, you need to put that sword down. Because that sword reflects that reality. And I'm not that kind of king. But swords are cool. I want a sword. And you said with a new king comes new swords. I'll give you a sword. Ready? Here's your sword. Pick up the sword. Truth. Truth. Pilate said to Jesus, so you're a king, huh? That's what everyone says. But uh, yes, I am here. That's why I'm here. To give witness and to testify to this truth. So my challenge to you, carry truth. Know truth. Learn truth. Start by learning truth. Learn God's promises. Learn God's reality. Learn God's story and God's purposes. In a couple of weeks, we're going to do a new series, and we're going to look at the book of Proverbs. It's going to be so much fun. I'm very, very, very excited about it, actually. Here's a book to empower us to walk with wisdom. You can pick up uh, prayer journals uh, for the book of Proverbs out, out there. 
I really encourage. Parents, I don't care if your kids are 50 or 15. Parents, you want your kids here for this study, especially if they're teens, especially if they're in their 20s, okay? There's a better way of being human, and the book of Proverbs is going to lead us into that and through that. Learn truth. Speak truth. Speak truth. Learn how to say to people, but Jesus has come, and you're okay. I know it hurt. I know it wasn't fair. Nothing's fair. But he loves you. There is victory. Hey, there's a better way of being human. Learn how to speak truth. For the word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword. Gets down deep. More than speaking truth, learn how to live truth. Our response flows out of our reality. We've been ordained with, or adorned with salvation, so let's learn how to walk in love and walk in kindness and walk in compassion and walk in holiness. And to tie it all together, let's learn how to sing truth. Sing the truth. That's why we gather together. We hoist up a banner that says, Jesus has come. There's something better. Shining a light upon his faithfulness. If Jesus is our victorious king, then praise should be our first move. Not for victory, but from victory. Harry, you'll dance with me, right? No, we'll get there. We'll get there. I'm here for the long haul. I'm here for the long haul. I want to read a story to you, and I pray that it'll put everything together. Let your imagination kind of take us through this. This is from 2 Chronicles chapter 20. Context. A whole lot of evil, opposing armies are gathering against the little people of God, Judah, and their king. And things don't look good at all. The Moabites, the Ammonites, with them, Menunites, came against Jehoshaphat for battle. Some men came and told Jehoshaphat, a great multitude is coming against you from Eden, from beyond the sea, and behold, they're at En Gedi. Jehoshaphat was afraid. He set his face to seek the Lord and proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. Why? Because your response reflects your reality. Judah assembled to seek help from the Lord. From all the cities of Judah, they came to seek the Lord. And Jehoshaphat stood in the assembly of Judah in Jerusalem in the house of the Lord before the new court. And he said, O Lord, God of our fathers, are you not God in heaven? You rule over all the kingdoms of the nations. In your hand are power and might so that none is able to withstand you. Did you not, our God, drive out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and give it forever to the descendants of Abraham, your friend? And they've lived in it. 
They've built for you a sanctuary for your name, saying, if disaster comes upon us, the sword, judgment, pestilence, famine, we will stand before this house and before you, for your name is in this house, and cry out to you in our affliction, and you will hear and save. Now behold, the men of Ammon and Moab, Mount Seir, whom you would not let Israel invade when they came from the land of Egypt, and whom they avoided and did not destroy, behold, they reward us by coming to drive us out of your possession, which you have given us to inherit. O oh, our God, will you not execute judgment on them? For we're powerless against this great horde that's coming against us. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are upon you. Meanwhile, all of Judah stood before the Lord with their little ones, their wives, their children. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jehaziel in the midst of the assembly. And he said, listen, all Judah, inhabitants of Jerusalem and King Jehoshaphat, thus says the Lord to you, do not be afraid and do not be dismayed at this great horde for the battle is not yours but God's. Tomorrow, Go down against them. Behold, they will come up by the ascent and you will find them at the end of the valley east of the wilderness of Jeruel. And you will not need to fight in this battle. Stand firm. Hold your position and see the salvation of the Lord on your behalf. O Judah and Jerusalem, do not be afraid and do not be dismayed. Tomorrow, Go out against them. The Lord will be with you. Then Jehoshaphat bowed down his head with his face to the ground. And all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem fell down before the Lord, worshiping the Lord. And the Levites stood up to praise the Lord, the God of Israel, with a very loud voice. And they rose early in the morning and went out to the wilderness And then when they went out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, Judah, inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God, and you will be established. Believe his prophets, and you will succeed. And when he had taken counsel with the people, he appointed those who were to sing to the Lord and praise him in holy attire as they went before the army and say, Give thanks to the Lord, for his steadfast love endures forever. And when they began to sing and praise, the Lord set an ambush against their enemies. Thank you for sharing your time with us, and we'd love for the journey to continue. If you're a guest, would you consider reaching out to us? We would love to come alongside and encourage you in any way that we can. If you're someone who's joined us today and you are desperately reaching to find hope wherever you can, again, Jesus came that we would find hope. You can find hope today. If you want to send us a short note, a member of our hope team would reach out quickly, promptly to come alongside and see what we can do to encourage you in whatever storm you might find yourself in. That's why Jesus came, and that's why we're here. 
Jesus said there's two ways to live your life. And a wise man, a wise woman, builds their life on Jesus' instructions. God bless.